Welcome to Mavs Daily, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Becca from Mavs Digital. The team has been in Orlando for almost a week, and we hope you've enjoyed our content so far. We are seriously so close to the season starting up again, we can feel it. Today we are kicking off a new segment we are going to try each week with one of the trailblazing women in the NBA, Mavericks assistant coach Jenny Busick. We'll go behind the bench with Coach Jenny each week, taking a deeper dive into the team through her eyes. As I said today, I'm joined by assistant coach Jenny Busick, one of 11 women coaches in the NBA. Jen- coach Jenny, it is such a pleasure to talk to you today. I'm really excited to kick this off with you and get to know you better, as well as represent the strong women present on presence on this team. How are you doing today? Doing great. Excited to talk Mavs basketball. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. So Coach Jenny, if you can just introduce yourself for our listeners and explain your journey that led you here to the Mavs. Well, um, Jenny Busek, I'm assistant coach here with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I am, uh, I guess my role is we split up most of the responsibilities fairly evenly. We have five uh, assistant coaches and then several player development coaches, but amongst the assistant coaches, we all share a lot of the responsibilities in terms of game prepping, uh, practice planning, that kind of thing. And then half of us are assigned to focusing on our offense and the other half is assigned to focusing on our defense. So I uh, assist our offensive coordinator, Steven Silas, with our offense. So um, my journey started playing basketball uh, in college at University of Virginia, playing in the WNBA, playing in Iceland, uh, got hurt young and started coaching, coaching in the WNBA in 1999 um, and then coached all over the place. Had a couple head coaching stints, won a couple championships, had a great, great, great time in the WNBA. I very much still have a lot of my heart in the WNBA. Um, but a few years ago, I got an opportunity to coach in the NBA with the Sacramento Kings. And so I was there for one season and then and then had an interview here and and joined the Mavericks. This is my second season with the Dallas Mavericks. Awesome. And the rest is history. <laughs> so you've been all you've been all over. That is so cool. Um, and you're one of 11 female coaches in the league. Um, how does that feel on a day to day basis to know that, you know, you, you know, through your journey, you've gotten here and you've, you know, fought to, you know, inadvertently fought to, you know, have women in the league and things like that. Um, how does it feel to, you know, accomplish that goal and ha- and be one of those very few women in the league? Uh, I wouldn't say I think about it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we, I think all of us um, who grew up in sports, you're just doing what you love. You're doing what you love. And if you happen to be good at it, you know, you keep going and you get to keep doing what you love, whether that's playing or coaching. Um, I've never cared where I coached or what level. I felt called to the WNBA just because I experienced that um, that locker room and really had a heart to help the women have a great experience and, and help that league get off the ground and be successful and live up to its potential and its purpose. Um, so that league became very, very passionate to me just because I saw it as as a league that was important in how people viewed women, not just women athletes, but it represented opportunities and dreams um, for for women and young girls. So that league had a lot of uh, individual purpose for me, personal purpose, I guess. 
um, and I really wanted to help the women have a good experience there. But it's led to coaching in the NBA, um, which is, is a great honor, obviously, but I don't see it as better than coaching women. It's just a difference and a different challenge and a different um, opportunity, but, but not, not a step up in my mind or a better thing um, because I have too much respect for the women and the WNBA uh, to think that way. So, um, but it's, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And, and as long as I feel like I'm supposed to be in the NBA and I have an opportunity, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to work with the men as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned that you, you know, got hurt young and started to coach. So when did you, did that, did your being injured kind of lead you into coaching or when did you decide that you, or realize that you wanted to become a coach? I never wanted to be a coach, to be honest. Um, I was, my whole family, there are doctors on both sides, my mom and my dad's side. And I was very excited to follow that, that career path. Um, but playing in the WNBA, especially the inaugural season of the WNBA, like I said, my heart was just absolutely gripped with the meaning of this league. You know, to be at, at games back in 1997, the first year of the league, and and see grown women in our games in tears, you know, and to see um, little girls like looking up almost confused as to like seeing a woman as a professional basketball player. And then to see the young boys looking up um, to the women of the WNBA, wearing our jerseys and pretending like they're women outside in the backyard. Right. You know, it's like, okay, this is a young a generation of young men who's gonna grow up with a different respect for women. So it just felt like it mattered and it was a lot about a lot more than just basketball. Um, but it just meant a lot for our culture and our, our paradigms when it comes to, to gender. Um, you know, I remember being a young girl, very, very young, like three, four years old. And you start to get that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I used to say, I wanted to be a boy right. and it wasn't, it wasn't a gender issue, but back then, I didn't see women having choices. And so being a boy represented having choices and opportunities when I grew up and I wanted that. And right. um, so to, to be a part of a league that I feel like is spearheading opportunities um, for women and choices for women is very, was very important to me. And, you know, the ripple effect of the WNBA is that there are opportunities for women now to coach in the NBA, which was unheard of 10 years ago. To think that a woman could be equipped um, to coach professional men's basketball players was, was not something that was a reality. But because of the WNBA, there's a generation of women now that are equipped to work with men and, and are starting to change people's um, opinions and preconceived notions about men being able to be led and and respecting women in leadership positions so um yeah i think the wnba is super important and i think that is again the reason why this is happening in the nba and i think sports are a trendsetter so this being successful in the nba um you know i think we all hope deep down not that we're thinking about it on a daily basis we hope it opens up people's minds outside of sports to respect women in a different way and give women an opportunity. I would say unequivocally that we as women don't want to be given an opportunity because we're a woman. Right. 
But I think most of us lived much of our life having opportunities not even available to us because we're women. We just want to have a chance. And if we're qualified and equipped and we can be an asset, we'd like to not be eliminated just because of our gender. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think everything you're saying, you know, even back then in 1997, it also is still happening today. And hopefully, you know, like you said, in the NBA with all of these women coaches and women rising through the league, it creates a ripple effect for other sports and for other, you know, um, other uh, entities, entertainment, all that kind of stuff. So I really admire you for all the things that you're, you've said so far. Um, and, you know, on this podcast, I'll kind of jump around a little bit. Um, but on this podcast, we have spoken about, you know, misconceptions about women in this business and being one of the very few, you know, women coaches in the league, obviously, does this exist for you on a day-to-day basis? Like what chat, are there any challenges that you see being in your role that you see like day-to-day or is it just kind of, you know, understood or anything like that? You know, it's, it's, it's a great question, but it's interesting. So this is my third year in the NBA and it's already become somewhat, there's a normalcy to it, especially within the league, like maybe outside fans or uh, media, maybe it's, it's still a thing, Mm -hmm. but within the league, within three years, I felt it become normal. Sure. My first year coaching in the NBA, there was only one other female coach. Um, and it was not normal, you know, and it was something that everybody was very aware of. Um, the, you know, we'd go to arenas and there wasn't places for, for us to change or get dressed. You know, you could hardly find a bathroom to use the restroom before a game. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, it was a big deal everywhere we went. People wanted to talk about it a lot. Um, it was just, it was new. It was different. It was, it was not the norm. And you could, you could feel that a little bit. It was something that when it was working, quote unquote, people were almost surprised, you know, and you could feel, you could feel all of that. Um, and now all of that is, has, has gone away already. So that's, that's a huge step, you know, to, totally. for women to come into our league now and to feel like it's normal and for other people to, to treat it as if it's normal. Like I said, three years ago, you could feel like you were under a microscope. Right. People were watching, it was new, and people weren't sure how it was going to go. And you could feel the microscope on you. Sure. I don't, three, three years later, I don't feel that anymore. So that's, that's a lot of progress. That's a lot of progress. And I also feel like the Mavericks as an organization within itself, you know, kind of is way more, is ahead of the game in that, in that, um, in that sense. Because I feel like, and even when I started to work here, I worked for another team before this. Um, even when I started to work here, just, you know, the, and the way I've also watched you interact with players and other staff and things like that. I think that the Mavericks also are ahead of the game in, um, women and inclusion and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure that helps as well, just being a part of this organization as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the Mavericks, you know, our leadership, Mark Cuban, Sent Marshall, Rick Carlisle, this is, this is a, a genius leadership team. For sure. And very progressive and always pushing the envelope. I mean, like I, I said, it starts with our owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wired to challenge status quo and not just follow the sheep's tail in front of him. And I think that trickles down 
you know, within our organization, like not just following the masses, but, but trying to really think about what's right. And you're seeing that a lot, even with, with this latest um, thing that's, that we're all issue that we're all delving into is the black lives matter. And you see that you see Mark, you see Rick, you see sent like so open-minded to learning and looking at things differently and making real change, not just lip service, but, but activating real change. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of the organization and even inside the organization, I think the entire organization because of their leadership and, and, you know, powerful messages that they, you know, took the time to talk to us about. I think all of us kind of took a step back and have really like, you know, reevaluated and wanted to help in the community and things like that. So this is a very special place to work in all of those aspects. Um, so what advice would you give, you know, other girls or women aspiring to be where you are today in your position or even a position that you've had before? I'm not, I know the surprises a lot of people I've not, and I've never been a big subscriber to long-term goals. Oh, wow. Um, I'd never, I've never lived that way. I'm not sure I even believe in it. Like whatever works for you works for you. But for me, that, that is not what I've found to be most helpful. Um, because I just think there's so much about life that down the road is out of our control and unpredictable and we're, we're all, our soul is, is healthier when we focus on trying to, um, you know, thrive where we are, um, stay in the moment, stay in the present, and really continue to try to uh, have an awareness about ourselves that leads us to our next step, which leads us to our next step, which leads us to our next step. So I'm not saying you, you don't, you don't have a, an eye for the next step, but to look 10 steps down, I think it's rare that people can know that. And, and if you get too fixated on 10 steps down the road, you don't thrive where you are. You don't thrive with your next step. And it may lead to, to some expectations that cause a lot of frustration and disappointment. It, it may just not be what's meant to be. So I say all that to say my advice to young women and, and, and men as well is to, to really try to gain a, an awareness of your own self and your own identity, your own gifts, your talents, looking at your experiences up to this point, your passions, your pains, you know, the things that um, energize you, the things that frustrate you, the things that bring out emotion in you and trying to discover like just really how you're wired, um, the combination of your gifts, talents, experiences, and passions and follow those one step at a time and let that lead you to where your ultimate um, end might be, you know, because the journey's where it's at. Um, if we get too fixated in, for example, being a, a, an NBA basketball coach um, and that, that doesn't happen to be our path, we're going to miss our path. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to feel like a failure. And a lot of that's going to be out of your control. If that's what you're meant to do, your path will lead you there as you focus one step at a time, if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I mean, I, I never really thought about it that way, but it, it very clearly makes sense to me. Just the, some of the things you're saying even resonate with me personally. And I've always been, you know, kind of wishing, you know, aspiring long-term kind of person. Um, but I think the things you're saying, you know, things, the twists and turns of life and things like that, you never know what's going to happen. So that's a, that's a really good advice. It's very good advice, um, especially for young people, um, you know, trying to even be in the sports industry at all, you know, 
Um, mm -hmm. So that's it's very helpful. I, I love to learn new perspectives. So I really appreciate that. Um, well, and our culture sometimes lies to us, you know, and tells us things that aren't true and, and that, that can lead to disillusionment at some point. And the, the mentality that professional sports are better than high school sports, or you're more valuable if you're involved in pro sports as opposed to high school sports, for example, I don't believe that to be true. Right. You know, I, I, some of the best coaches that I know are, are at different levels. Um, and they're just as valuable or more valuable um, in a lot of ways more valuable than coaches at the pro level. So, um, you know, reevaluating again, like not just your own self, but what you believe to be true about life and understanding that sometimes our culture teaches us things that are illusions. And when you buy into illusions, that's where it, what leads to disillusionment. For sure. Yeah, that definitely, that definitely makes sense. Um, so the last question, you know, just on this subject and, um, you know, we've seen your adorable, cute daughter, um, you know, on the court before games in her little Luca shirt. Um, how has she changed your life? And, you know, how, what does that experience mean to you as a working mom, you know, in this industry and being able to, you know, kind of bring her around um, all of this? And, you know, what is her, what is her perspective on all of it? <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's a massive question. Um, and one that I'm still, you know, in a lot of ways, analyzing, mm -hmm. um, you know, you asked a, a lot of things there so far. It's been, um, it's been an adventure. It's been a whirlwind. It's been a huge blessing for both me and my daughter, you know, to, to live this life together and to be a part of an organization like the Mavericks that lets her be a part of it. I mean, the guys, whether it be the, the coaching staff, the players, a lot of them have young, um, children, and a lot of them happen to have daughters. So there's just a personal connection and, a, and there is a family feel that is, is much appreciated. I'm not sure that we would have that, that everywhere. Right. But when your two worlds can collide, my two worlds and my two passions being coaching the game that I love and now my, my beloved daughter, you know, when those two worlds can collide and coexist, it's a huge blessing. Because as a working mom, I think every working mom knows, and working fathers too, there's a tension at times, you know, that sometimes it can feel like they're competing. Um, and that's tough. That's tough on a parent's heart. So when they can overlap, it's, it's a huge blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. I come from two, you know, working parents, um, you know, and I, so that, that means a lot because I, you know, they still both work their butts off every single day. Um, but also as I was growing up and you're a huge inspiration to, you know, women that work in the industry and know that you can do both. Um, so that's, I, I, that was a more personal question for me because I just, I wanted to know what you thought and, and I love your answer as well. Um, well, it's, it's still being, it's still being carved out though. And, and totally. that's where our organization is. Our organization is, is truly the pioneer in all of this because I'm just kind of like an action figure in this, in this thing. But, um, our organization working with me to allow me, especially as a single mother, right. Um, to coach in the NBA and make accommodations for me that some people might have an issue with and see it as preferential treatment, but they're, they don't view it that way. They view it as um, trying to see the difference, not a preferential, but just a difference and not, not forcing me to eliminate myself because I'm a mother, right. you know, and because they're working with me to not 
have to travel all the time with a young child, for example, and making slight adjustments so that I can do both. Um, it's a challenge to even think that way and not just keep this carved out for just a working male. Right. You know, if you want this to be a situation, you value a woman, you value diversity on your staff, then you have to understand and accommodate some of the differences. Right. Um, otherwise, you might say you value it, but if you're not making the accommodations, it's, then those people eliminate themselves and it's not really, it's not really real. If Absolutely. that makes sense. So our organization actually not just hiring diversity, talking about diversity, but making the accommodations um, to make it possible for the differences um, and not seeing that as a, as a preferential treatment that, that people can complain about and setting that standard and setting that stage and setting that example. I think it's, it hopefully is going to challenge corporations and organizations all across our country, which is needed. Because there's too many talented women that eliminate themselves from even choosing certain careers or at a certain point as they're climbing the ladder because they don't see it possible to be a good mother and to continue on the track that they are. And our, our organizations lose talented women. And I'm not talking about just sports because there's no accommodation um, and e e not even listening for what those women feel or might need. They just lose them. Um, so our organization valuing that is really putting their money where their mouth is. And, and I can't tell you how appreciated it is, not just on a personal level, but for women of all generations coming behind me to not have to make those choices between high level in their career and being a great mom. And that, that's our organization. Absolutely. Yeah. The way the Mavs take action and, you know, just kind of embrace progression and things like that is truly admirable. So other teams and other, other corporations and, you know, fields should take note for sure. Um, absolutely. Um, so kind of switching over from, you know, I, I could talk about, you know, women in the industry all day long. Um, but I kind of want to get to know, you know, more about you in your role. Um, as an assistant coach. So what does life as an assistant coach in the NBA include? And what do you do at games and practices? So if you could take us through, you know, a typical day for you, or if every day is different, if you could give us some examples, that would be awesome. Yeah, everybody, every day is a little bit different. They're more classified, um, not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, as most people's weeks are, but um, is it a game day? Is it a practice day? Is it an off day? Um, and is the team home or on the road? And if they are on the road, is it a trip that I'm on because right. of how long the trip is? So based on all those classifications, my day looks, you know, very different. But, um, but you know, a big part of our responsibility is game planning for opponents. So we have five coaches that divide up our opponents, our upcoming opponents in terms of, uh, of a game plan. So we all have different games that we're assigned to, and it takes – you know, close to two weeks to prepare for that game. Wow. And then you have your next one that you're preparing for. So it's a, you're constantly preparing for, for a, a team or a game. And then we're rotating in that preparation, if that makes sense. So um, that's a big part of like every free minute that you have, you're, you're spending on that. Um, and then in addition to that, as you have that on your horizon, um, if it's not your game coming up, you're trying to prepare to be included in the conversations and the, the dialogue to prepare for 
for the next game, even if it's not your assigned game. Um, so that's that's a big part is the game planning because as our, our season goes along, you you know, you guys know that we just have a ton of games. You know, right. we sometimes have four or five games a week. So game planning is the majority of what we do. Uh, we had we game plan from two perspectives. One is looking at our opponent and the other is just the progression of our team and our individual journey. So we're always looking at how we're playing, how we can be better individually, collectively. And as we look at our own team, um, we divide up, you know, our focus and me and one other coach, well, two other coaches, half our coaching staff basically are assigned to focusing on our offense. And then the other half of our coaching staff is assigned to, to focusing on our defense and just evaluating that system and, uh, and how we can keep improving that and adapt that to what's going on and what we're seeing. So that's like the big picture of, of our assignments, uh, we all split up uh, the player development, assisting our player development coaches and working with different guys. We all have a few guys assigned to us that we watch individual video with and make edits for after every game. So we have we have other stuff, but I'd say the biggest thing is focusing on opponent preparation and just evolving um, our systems. Very cool. There, I didn't know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you guys split up. Um, games like that that's so interesting and it makes sense it definitely makes sense um, very organized and you know uh, very tactical way to approach those kinds of things um, who who was your biggest inspiration and motivation you know to get to where you are today well as I mentioned I didn't have a long-term goal of, of right. getting here um, you know, I always thought it'd be kind of cool to coach in the NBA because I had a lot of relationships in the NBA and my, my main coaching mentor and f father figure in the coaching ranks is Ron Rothstein, who was in the NBA 40 plus years. He's still down with the Miami Heat organization. He was their first coach and he's still helping them with TV. So he's been there for a long time. I mean, he's been a lot of places, but he started there and is ending there. And he was my, my father in the coaching ranks. And then like Rick has been a huge mentor to me for a long time. And um, you know, Nate McMillan took me under his wing in Seattle. So a lot of these coaches have, have really helped me and poured into me. And so it's given me an interest in the NBA. And I always kind of like in the back of my mind was like, if I could ever help um, one of these guys that have been so good to me um, and, and coach at that level, that would be, that'd be fun. Right. But again, I was focused on the present, which was my purpose in the WNBA Course. Um, and so it's kind of like a bifocal vision type of thing. Um, but yeah, those are, those are some of my big mentors in the NBA. And then, you know, I grew up in Tennessee. So Pat Summit was a huge mentor to me growing up, um, just seeing not just her competitive excellence, but her class and her, um, the fact that as big as she was in sport, she never lost her personal touch, whether it be with the janitor um, or the manager of the team and and that really stuck with me just how she, not just her success but how she how she did what she did and and her the fact that she never lost her love for people um, but the toughness that she had about her like a strong female that had so much grace in class just that dichotomy and balance um, there's just so much about her that I that I've always really admired um, who's your favorite uh NBA player. Oh, you can't ask me that while I'm coaching <laughs> in the NBA. Um, you know, I, I was a, 
I was a dirty work player and I always respect players that do a lot of the little things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this will surprise a lot of people probably, but like, like Dennis Rodman, I always had so much admiration for, and I'm not talking about any of his hair colorings and stuff like that, but um, he just like was so smart. I mean, he was just like, he did so many little things that if you aren't a basketball person, you wouldn't necessarily appreciate and just didn't have an ego about needing to get glory doing the things that most people focus on. And so he was, he just, he helped the team win and he was willing to do whatever to help the team win. And he was evidently a great teammate. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that I really admired about, about him. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Um, What is your favorite part you know, of being an NBA coach or just being a coach in general? Uh, it's, it's the people. It's, it's getting to know um, these young people and trying to help them be the best version of themselves. And some players, that's entirely basketball related, like, you know, just helping them be the best basketball player they can be. And then other players, and it's up to them, it could be um, more helping them be a better leader, a better father, a better mother, a better friend, just a better person. And some players are more interested in that type of relationship than others, but helping them be the best version of themselves, whether it be on court, off court, or both is by far, you know, my, my favorite part of it. And then the second thing would be going to war together, like as one, um, when you get to the point as a team and not every team gets there, where you're fighting for each other to the point where you don't want to let each other down and you would do anything for each other, not just playing with each other, but playing for each other and having that common fight. Um, to, to me, that's just, it's one of the most beautiful things in life. That level of, of teamwork and sacrifice for one another is beautiful. Absolutely. And that definitely shows within our team for sure. I, mm-hmm. I can definitely um, see that. Um, so during the hiatus, how did you spend your time? You know, did you find any new hobbies? Did you, how did you stay, you know, mentally sharp and focused like you do during the season? Yeah. I mean, Rick kept us busy. You know, we all had a lot of projects. Um, we had zoom calls as a coaching staff a couple times a week. Um, it was really cool thing. Rick, Rick brought in, uh, people on our zoom calls, like once a week, like Phil Jackson, Doug Collins, you know, all these great leaders and coaches. And so we were picking people's brains and, and just talking basketball, talking leadership, talking championship culture, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we were busy, um, you know, staying involved in our minds, really focused on our team and improving our team and evaluating where we are and where we want to go. Um, you know, I had a little extra time to get back to reading, which is something that I really enjoyed doing before I had the toddler. I mean, and then, you know, anyone who has a toddler understands that is a full-time job in itself. So I didn't have a boring moment. I didn't have a quiet moment. It was between trying to continue to grow as a, as a coach, um, and then grow my daughter, um, and keep her learning and stimulated. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's been, it's been full on. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, the, and now, you know, we're back full force, even though you're not physically there, but you still have all those, um, all those responsibilities on top of that as well. Again, right again, just right back diving into it. So, um, so is there anything else that you wanted to add just in this intro episode? Um, you know, we just for this episode kind of covered everything that we wanted to cover, but if there's anything else you want to add before we sign off. I would love to hear it. 
you know, I, I, not that I can think of. I'm just here to uh, to be of service to our fans. So anything that whoever's listening is interested in, in talking about, um, you know, let us know because I really just would like to, to bless you guys and be of service to y'all um, because y'all, this, this fan base is incredible mm-hmm. and, uh, and so interested in, and involved and um, in tune with, with us. And so I just want to reciprocate as, as best I can, you know, because I know how tough it is on everybody not being together as we start going forward and not being in the, in the arenas together. So doing anything I can to help everybody feel involved and, and connected, um, you know, is something that I really would hope to be able to do. So anything I can do with that, you know, send the feedback and uh, I'll do what I can. Absolutely. Well, MFFL, you heard Coach Jenny. If there's anything that you guys want to hear or talk about or, you know, just kind of dive more into, please drop us a line. And thank you, Coach Jenny, for joining me this week. And we will be back next week and the next week with more from you. Um, Just please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will see you next time.